when I was getting into tech, if someone had told me about Grace Hopper, which I didn't learn about Grace Hopper until years later, and I have a computer science degree, I would have felt a little different about my coming in and my potential contribution. Um, it would have given me much more freedom to be the woman that I am, to be the black woman that I am. I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who are women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started Your First Million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there was a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they won't. Because I got a million. Fresh out the mud, but I'm clean and so. Because I got a million. I got my first million. I got my. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great. Doing great. Great. So great to be here with you, Arlen. Yes, and thank you for having us. I'm so happy to see y'all and to be with you all, uh, virtually at least. It's soon to be in person, and we're going to get into that because that is very exciting. Um, I would love for Brenda, for you to introduce yourself. Just kind of tell us a little bit about your work as the president and CEO of Anita Borg, which is a huge, huge title. Just to say a little bit about what that encompasses, and then we'll get into your background. Sure. Thank you so much. So I'm Brenda Darden Wilkerson, president and CEO, as Arlen mentioned, of AnitaB.org, a women in tech organization. Um, our job is to make the table where tech is created as diverse as the populations that it serves. And so our focus audience are women and non-binary technologists, making opportunities for them to have multiple pathways into tech, as well as lifting up the amazing work that they've always done and not necessarily gotten the type of credit that they should have, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be connected with Arlen Hamilton. Just, just, you know, I have to get myself together every time I think about it because of the impact that you're having. And we want to lift up that impact for others to see. We also want to help um, organizations where uh, women and non-binary technologists learn, work, get funded to understand this mission as well and to help them along the way. So that's just sort of a little bit about what we do. And we really feel like our mission is incredibly critical, especially at this point in time in the world. Absolutely. And then our second guest is Mitra Best uh, at PricewaterhouseCooper. And am I saying that correctly? I'm saying all that right? Yes. Awesome. What is your role there and, and how does that um, uh, work with the Anita Board Group? 
So thank you first for having me on your show. I've heard and read so much about you. Very excited to be here. I'm Mitra Bass. I'm the technology impact leader at PwC. I'm a, I'm a partner at the firm. And I also lead our Women in Tech Inclusion Network. I'm a technologist. I've been um, developing technology platforms for over a couple decades. I won't say how many over. And now I have, um, in the last year, have shifted my focus to leverage technology to address some of our pressing societal and environmental challenges and trying to use technology to amplify the, the social impact that um, I can have and my firm can have and my teams can have in, in our communities. The relationship that we have with um, Anita B and in particular the Grace Hopper celebration that brings the most number of women and non-binary technologists together every year is one of partnership. We work together um, to drive each other's missions to build a more equitable workforce community world um, around technology and technologists and to develop those opportunities for women um, to meet each other, network, uplift each other, support each other and learn from each other. Um, that sounds awesome. I think what we should do is like, I am like a kid before Christmas day <laughs> about Grace Hopper. So I would love to talk about the event and get everybody excited about it, understand it. And then we can go back into um, a deeper dive into what the organization does. But the event itself, like I went, was it 2019 that I went, Brenda? It was 2019, yeah. Yeah. And was that the last time you had one or did you have one in, in between? That was in person. Was no, you had one online. Right, right. So we actually did three or four events total online. Amazing. Um, but that was the last time we did one in person. And the one this year is actually hybrid. But of course, the, the biggest excitement is about us being able to get together in person, see each other, be, be around each other. And it's, it's just there's something about it that's like nothing else. Yes. When you are in the room with that many women and non-binary technologists, when we've been we've been taught our whole lives that there aren't that many of us, right? Yeah. We don't exist and we just don't know that much and we're not about that much. It's fill in the blank. And then you look around and there's business happening even on the elevator. You know, people are connecting with each other and finding their partners and starting businesses or finding their CFOs or whatever they need is happening there. And then you look up on the stage and you get to see just giants like Arlen Hamilton. <laughs> I'm so glad you. And I loved it. I mean, I remember I went, I did, I do this often where I take my mom and we went and the scope of it was so great. I think, I still think it's the largest um, audience I've ever spoken in front of to this day. And it was probably like 18, 19,000 on the day that I went and it had been, it had been even more prior. Right. And so what we're talking about, if you have never been to Grace Hopper, what we're talking about is one of the largest groups, if not the largest group of women technologists that I have seen that there is in one place 
And it is, there's, it's also an amazing recruiting place. Like people were getting jobs left and right. I was walking around, people were getting, you know, offered gigs, looking at different options. Um, and it was just very inspirational. All of the speakers back to back to back, not just inspiration because, you know, that, that you can find a little bit of that in every summit, but it was like, I felt like I went through an, uh, uh, a course, like within a couple of days, I felt like I understood a lot more and I am definitely not a techie. So it was just so good. So talk about the scope this year as compared, do you think it'll be as many people in person? Are you aiming, even aiming for that? I mean, even half of that would be bigger than most summits have ever been to. Well, the last one where you spoke, we actually uh, topped out at 28,000. Incredible. Um, actually in person. And this year, because, you know, COVID is still, you know, the specter of COVID still looms and we wanted to make sure that everybody was safe. We decided on purpose to downsize um, in person to 15,000. Yeah, downsize, <laughs> downsize to 15,000. Just a little yeah, party, right. just a little salon we're going to have with 15,000. Did you say that you're sold out though? Or can people still? We are. Um, <laughs> In person, of in, in person. person, of in person, we still have uh, virtual tickets because we're doing it hybrid. Um, but you're right; it is one of those places where you can learn and be and and great, gain great exposure and just seeing each other and hearing the stories um, is is part of it. But when you start to talk about the expo hall, where as you said, people get jobs, yes. and, and our friends at PwC put on this amazing bus. And Mitra, you can talk more about the bus last yes. time where people actually go and learn not just about tech, but about the thing that is part of our mission, which is diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging and, and learn about it in an in experiential way such that when they leave, they go home and they have tools to immediately change their environment for the better. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about this bus. What, what's the bus all about? <laughs> Did you want to share? Sure. So we have a bus that actually has been retrofitted to um, become an exhibit of stories and cases and learning tools around diversity, um, inclusion and equity. And it helps you walk through the shoes of other people that you may not know how their lives are and see the world through their eyes and begin to develop um, a sense of empathy. And I think it's a a spark towards having an inclusive mindset. Having an inclusive mindset really requires empathy Mm -hmm. and and requires uh, a desire to, to be part of something bigger. And to be part of something bigger, you have to include everybody. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I have, I want to piggyback off of what you just said, Mitra, in a moment. But before I do, is there a host this year? And if so, who is that? Who can we look forward to? Because I thought that was a really great part of it, too. I don't know if I'm yeah. stepping ahead yeah, of absolutely. announcement or something. No, uh, the, the uh, famous Jean Sparrow, she was a personality on various news shows. She has a radio show in Chicago. She has a historic radio show uh, over many decades in Chicago. 
and she is a, just an amazing personality that really brings people into the space in a way that is very meaningful. Um, she also helps us honor this space, the, the indigenous uh, populations on which we rest and, and mm-hmm. talks about the history of the space. And so um, we've been, we have been really blessed starting in the pandemic to have her help and really bringing animation to uh, the stage that we didn't have before. So, you know, it's just like anything else. We're always trying to be better and better and better. And so uh, Jean has made us that. And it's in Florida again this year. You go back and forth between Florida and Texas, right? Well, we outgrew Texas. And yeah. I guess at this point, if we stay small, which we probably won't, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we, we kind of outgrew that. And we are in, in Florida. It, it's just, it's a historic sort of contract because any type of conference that's this big you book you know years and years and years out um you know it's part of the challenge this year uh with all that's going on in florida right and but we've made a decision to go and stand with allies who are fighting some of the nonsense (laughs) that is going on down there uh specifically because we want to make a statement that says this isn't right. We're standing with the people who are fighting for right uh, with against both uh, don't say gay and stop woke, which, of course, you know, passed on the same day. But people don't really talk about that one very much. Um, but we're going um, to be in, you know, to stand with the folks who are fighting against these sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I there's just so many things going on in the country. It's hard to keep up. Um with where you can be, you know, I mean, it, and it's, right. uh, it's, it has to be tough. One thing I remember last time when I saw you in person was you were so calm and I couldn't understand how you, in the world you were walking around so calm. I'm like, and it, it must be that there's just months and months of preparation that you like, you like, this is in good hands. I mean, it, it was an absolute stellar perform uh, production. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I have I have the honor of having um, inherited um, this best in class event where it had been honed and, and it got better and better over time. And, um, you know, to be able to have the type of women that were coming to the stage and coming to the breakouts, I felt just like a very small part of it. It, you know, it was sort of wondrous for me as well. It always is, right? I remember my first Grace Hopper that I attended had 8,500 people. And I remember how life-changing that was for me. Um, and so it, it's sort of like being on an airplane. Some people are not calm on an airplane. I'm the calmest I ever can be on an airplane because there's nothing I can do at that point. Mm. All the work had been done. <laughs> is- All the work had been done, right? All we had to do now was just sit back and let it, you know, all that planning, um, take its course and impact people's lives in a way that only this conference can do. That is so interesting. Um, last thing about the, the conference for now is for people who are listening right now, this is the first time they heard about it or they didn't know it was coming back. What is that online experience going to be like for them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the online experience allows them, they can attend the, uh, the, keynotes they can attend breakout sessions there's also once those uh, sessions run they will have been recorded so they can go back and watch them again and they're going to be networking sessions online such that they can get together with other women focused in various areas uh just you know not just like but 
similar to if they were getting together in person. And it turns out that, you know, the networking piece is what's really important in person. And it has turned out to be the same thing online. People want to be with other folks. They're talking about the same things. We have open source day that's online where people will get together and create things uh, together. And, and I've already seen excitement about that um, on Twitter. So yeah. it's, it's about the togetherness, right? We want to see other people that look like us, that are talking about the same things, that, are, that encourage us that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and that, you know, that is the thing that uh, I think most people get out of it the most. And if you're not a techie, like you're like me, yeah. um, Mitra, what do you think someone who's not a techie gets out of this when they attend? Well, number one, I think uh, I will tell you a little story that will illustrate the power of being at the Grace Hopper celebration. So as a technology executive, I've been going to conferences around technology for a long time. And I remember one notable one that was uh, a few years ago where there were 700 um, CIOs, chief information officers, and they had converted the ladies rooms, the restrooms for women to men's restrooms because there were only eight women and, and 692 men. And so we didn't have a bathroom to use. Yeah. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Then contrast that to walking into an arena with tens of thousands of women and feeling like you belong, like you've never belonged before. That is a powerful feeling. And there are there are women who have various levels of technology uh, proficiency. And for you to be in that room and not be a technologist will not give you a sense that you don't belong. You will feel like you belong and you will get inspired to get into technology at a level that is comfortable for you because everything is tech from your food delivery app to your streaming devices, to your, you know, everything that you're doing, online banking, everything is tech and whatever industry you're interested in, you can get into the tech aspect of it and become that much more successful in what you're doing. 100%. I love that. And, and speaking of that story and the empathy that you mentioned earlier, why, what got you into your role and, and, and started you off in tech, Mitra? And I'll, I'll go to, to Brenda as well. What started that, that journey for you? Well, it was, um, it all started in, um, I think in high school where I, I won a, a science competition and got to go to NASA for three days to do this kind of uh, camp, I guess NASA camp. <laughs> and I got fascinated with space and the ability to go into space and build um, lunar habitat. So I decided that I was going to study physics and build these you know, lunar habitats and go into space. A year and a half into um, my undergraduate work in physics, I discovered computer science by accident. And I learned that I could actually build solutions in three to four weeks. And I didn't have to wait 20 years to, 
you know, perhaps get a chance at building something. And I got fascinated. And as I got more into it, I developed this notion that if decisions were being made by computers and by software, that we would eliminate human biases, we would get rid of discrimination, we would equalize it, and everyone would have a fair chance at um, you know, at success and happiness in the world. And I got into artificial intelligence for that matter. And fast forward um, a decade or so, I started to see that the same biases that people have are getting or creeping into our software. Mm. Think about the recommendation engines for your you know, streaming apps or your food delivery. If they get it wrong, it's not that bad. But if you're getting, if you're applying for a loan for a mortgage or a credit card, if you're applying for college admission, if you're applying for a job and all of these decisions of either you get a credit or you don't get a credit, you get into school or you don't get into school are being made by algorithms that have bias in them, that's going to be life-changing for you. And I started to see that when you have a predominant group of a certain demographic, white males, in the tech industry, and only 13% of all the artificial intelligence researchers are women, you start to see that same predominant perspective seep into the way these algorithms are designed. And unintentional or unintended doesn't really matter because the consequence is there. And as we, as, as leaders like Brenda, myself, and, and you and others who are striving for more inclusion and more equity are busy doing our work, the technology as it get as it proliferates is is actually making the work we do almost immaterial because it's proliferating so fast that we're like frogs in boiling water. Mm -hmm. We will not know. Uh, it, by the time we figure it out, it's too difficult to unravel. And that's why I got very um, passionate about being active in this area and actually developed software to detect bias in, in algorithms. I won't, I won't ask you to say what the solution is because that's your life's work, but I will ask you, are you optimistic? Having said I, that. Yes, I'm always optimistic because I'm a problem solver. And if I believe that if a problem exists in this universe, then the solution also exists in this universe. And I am optimistic about human nature. I'm optimistic about the power of people coming together and overcoming any challenge. And even though we live in very disturbing times where, you know, policies and, and laws and regulations are continually restricting, you know, the livelihood of half the population, I still have hope that representation matters and the more women and of all backgrounds and non-binary people of all backgrounds, we can get into technology 
the more chances we have for an equitable future. Yeah, it's definitely worth it, you know, getting up every morning for that. Brenda, I would imagine you have a similar um, ethos, but what was your path like? Um, so similar to Mitra's, although I didn't have exposure in high school, I'm one of those, you know, stories where it was truly an accident, right? I grew up um, in a black neighborhood, all black neighborhood. I always like to say we were all black, but we were not all poor because that's always the assumption. Um, both my parents were educators. Um, and so it was like a foregone conclusion that I was going to be the top student in my class and I was going to college. And so I was definitely a STEM student. And, you know, that was just Lawrence and Lily's plan. And, uh, you know, I was very artsy, actually, because my mother uh, was a musician and I loved I thought I wanted to be a pianist. And she said, nope, those people starve. Here are your choices, doctor, lawyer, engineer. <laughs> Early on, I decided I was going to be a doctor. And so when I went to university, um, I had to pick a major that covered all those pre-med prerequisites things. So that was biomedical engineering. I thought that made sense, right? And so having never taken a computer science course, because they didn't put those in black schools, which is another thing that they still don't do. And part of my work was to, to fix that in, in part of my career. Um, accidentally, I took those two courses, computer science courses, and I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Kind of like that. Was kind of good at it. Um, and so when I became dis discouraged by the way med medicine is practiced in this country, that's another story for another day. I was like, now what do I do? Because half my life I had thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I looked at the, you know, what was my toolkit? And I thought this computer science stuff might have possibility. And, you know, lots of years later, we won't talk about how many, it's been my career to be either be a technologist, be an educator of technologists, and then a social justice person around uh, technology. So that's, that's how I got here. Um, I also want to kind of go back to a question you had about people coming to Grace Hopper celebration that are not technical. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love, because, you know, I still, I like Shakespeare, I like music, I like theater. And I've always thought that it makes sense for the technologists that are going to solve a problem in an area to not just be nerds. I'm a nerd, but would it be nice if the data scientists also understood sociology so mm -hmm. that the data was not just esoteric, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you know, there was also some social science in the people who are going to solve medical, uh, technical problems. And so I've, I've seen many people come to the conference who are in other verticals, who all of a sudden understand that they can take that knowledge and really have a more intense impact in tech in their area of, of expertise than maybe somebody who just understands the bits and the bytes. So, and many times you see that spark go off. We'll have people on stage who have done just that. They, we had a woman uh, at one of our conferences who was a journalist, and she actually took that passion, came into technology, and she would create these um, virtual reality things about um, 
some pretty some pretty deep stuff. So where people were in internment camps or, you know, some sort of uh, things that we hear about, but we can't visualize. And people many times don't have that empathy that, that Major was talking about. And she would create these scenes and actually take the the people who should be solving those problems through those scenes where they would actually physically feel like they were in those camps or in those really bad situations or where a person like fell out on the street having a, a seizure and where people would normally kind of stand and watch, she'd put them in the scene and it would increase their empathy about what, what would you do if this actually happened to you? So she used her journalism with the technology in a way I, I wouldn't have considered, but because she understood the impact of images and then, and then making them virtual and making you feel them better than someone who's just a technologist. So we hope to spark those types of conversations at the conference as well. Yes. And I know that both of you all have, you've, you've talked about your journeys, which is both are incredible stories, by the way. And I know that, you know, you came into this a certain way and now we're in 2022 is there a difference? Have we gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Is it a combination? Like, how do we talk about, I mean, I've just been in this, in this industry for a decade and I've already seen such dips and highs and lows. Where do we think we are today? And why do we think that Anita B, uh, Grace Hopper are so important today still? Mm-hmm. Brenda? Mitra, you, okay, I'll start. So, even with all of the challenges that we are experiencing now, I have to say that we've made progress. But I also have to bring up the fact that part of what we do is to educate people uh, away from this narrative that women are breaking into tech, quote unquote. Really dial in on that. I like that. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, because if you're breaking into something for the first time, it's a whole different mental mindset and and set of issues that you're dealing with. And it's just not true. Many of the people who created the tech that we depend on today, um, like Gladys West, even um, Haley Lamar with Bluetooth, you know, every time you see her picture, you just see her as this like, you know, sexy movie star. They don't give her any credit for that. And so approaching tech, if when I was getting into tech, if someone had told me about Grace Hopper, which I didn't learn about Grace Hopper until years later, and I have a computer science degree, I would have felt a little different about my coming in and my potential contribution. Um, It would have given me much more freedom to be the woman that I am, to be the black woman that I am. Instead, back in, you know, Mitra and I were talking about this. Back when we started, we were wearing the little suits with the padded shoulders and the tie. And, you know, they were basically trying to make us men instead of understanding that we had a unique contribution to bring. But if I had known about those women, if I had known about Katherine uh, Johnson, if I had known about all of the women who changed our lives, the, 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 the ENIAC women, all of that stuff is critical to the very way we live today, that would have given us a a definite step uh, above where we started. And we wouldn't be starting over all the time. Number two, when I first started tech, we again won't talk about how long ago that was, women were 35% of tech. Mm -hmm. We're not even 35% of tech today. We backslid all the way into the team. But people think we're making progress. Okay, so we're regaining ground, 
but it's not impossible. Obviously, if we were at 35% in 1995, we could easily be at 50% today. And so what it to me frames is this whole, this whole narrative about how hard it is and how difficult and how long it's going to take. It doesn't have to take that long. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't have to be that hard, right? That's the mind shift that we have to, to make. And if we did that, we could get this job done. And the truth is, it was. I mean, I remember my mom, who's in her early 70s, um, she, you know, more than a generation beyond you. But she used to talk about how in the 80s and 90s, she was learning to code. And it was just something you did. It's just something women did. And there was a drop off, you know, and it was it caused by what we now learned in 2017 and beyond was was a lot of discomfort at work, you know, for the most part. And so you're absolutely right. And it's the same thing with uh, black, you know, people or uh, Latinx people. It's like they're just breaking in. They need their shot. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> we have no in many cases. And, and a lot of people are second, th- second and third generation technologists as well. And, and just absolutely. carrying the mantle. Um, Mitra, w- what is your take on that, where we are and why? why Grace Hopper in particular is so important. Well, I first want to echo what Brenda said about the, the demographic changes. And, you know, when we were starting, we were at the 35% graduate level and now we're at sort of the teens. However, I do believe that there's an enormous opportunity to leapfrog and not have to go through um, an arduous process of, of trying to get the numbers up. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I think that. Number one, you alluded to this discomfort at work. There's a lot of code switching that's going on for women, for people of color, for LGBTQ that we is exhausting. Code switching between how we show up at work, how we show up with our friends, how we show up with families, how we show up at everyday activities in our communities. This is an exhausting existence. And I have found that events, organizations that bring people together so that we don't feel like we have to conform to some ideal of somebody else's version of what a leader looks like and behaves like, gives us the permission to be authentic, to be ourselves, to be better versions of ourselves every day and to bring that to all aspects of our lives. And part of that for me and what I advocate is to become lifelong learners, to make sure that we have those essential skills that future-proof us, but also enable us to navigate smoothly between our different parts of our lives without having to code switch. And some of those skills for me include having, um, having an inclusive mindset and, and being able to communicate effectively with people who don't agree with us, having a service mindset and focusing on not just fitting in, but how we can be of service to others, particularly, you know, those who may not have a a strong voice or a platform. Using our creativity to to challenge status quo, using critical thinking, analytical 
um, skills, incredibly important. And, and these are fundamental, essential skills that if we hone in and together with other people who give us that sense of belonging will help alleviate that fear that this is not my place or that myth that we're breaking into something for the first time. I think these are these are really important. And one other thing that I want to bring up is a lot of people talk about how do I break into tech? You brought that up. Brenda, you mentioned how at Grace Hopper, if you're from any industry, you come in and you can you can leverage technology to become better at your sort of uh, specialization or your skills. There's a very quiet revolution happening in tech around low code and no code platforms. These are platforms that use graphical interface to enable anybody, programmers or non-programmers, to build software. This is an incredible opportunity for people who want to pivot their careers, who want to get into tech, to not have to go to engineering school and get a computer science degree, or you know, there, there are opportunities to break in and become technologists. You know, in the next five years, 75% of all sort of app development is going to be in these platforms that don't require coding skills. And having these skills will be like, I don't know, like having reading or writing skills. Mm -hmm. It will become important in any job that you have. So breaking into tech is going to be and is already a lot easier than it has been in the last 10 to 15 years. So yeah. I know that was that was a lot that I just. Well, no, I, what it reminds me of is someone who grew up in the 80s or 90s wanting to be a movie director or television director and making movies. And you had to kind of put all these things together or have money or have all this access. And now you have your phone. And you can do incredible things. Uh, the analogy happens to both use the, the smartphone, but it's kind of the same because like you're saying, you know, and it's the same thing as with photographers. I was a, a budding photographer at 20 and I had to do a lot of things to make the same image that I can make right now on Instagram or whatever uh, you use. And so you, it's democratizing and it's exciting. And I know, you know, um, I'm an investor. And so I think I read a lot about what investors say. And Warren Buffett is interesting to me. He once said, sitting next while sitting next to Jay-Z, that if he, Warren, were born uh, black or a woman, he would not be where he is today. And he recognized that. And I thought that was really interesting. He also said, in a different interview and more recently that the way to recession recession proof yourself is to double down on you to double down on your education to double down on what you're really good at and keep getting better at that because no one can take that from you was his point mm -hmm. so you know i think about your first million the podcast that we're on i always want to leave people with something they can walk away with thinking about when it comes to building their own generational wealth or their own generational health, building their own, you know, right now wealth. Um, and all these pieces that we talked about are like coming together for me. Um, 
how do you how do you both as we as we close out how do you both think about kind of that autonomy of kind of the the business of you and what you can what someone might learn at Grace Hopper or in any of the initiatives that you have at Anita B. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I wanted to add, I mean, what you're saying is so true. And, and I think that, uh, as Mitra said, we have an opportunity to, to sharpen our, our tools so much easier than we did, you know, back when I was a technologist. I won't tell you what I began my coding career in, uh, which it was quite, you know, a machine code-ish. You're uh, acting like you're, like you're, you know, <laughs> decrepit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking a couple years. <laughs> we won't tell. We won't okay. tell. Okay. What, okay. What's interesting is that um, I think that some of the, the, the easy things for us to do, for those of us in the social justice side of it, yes, we're nerds. Yes, we talk about tech. But I always think about the ecosystem in which people are doing this work. And one of the things I always remember is before I came to work for Need to Be in my role, um, I had two male teachers come and visit me and say, hey, can you help me? Can you help fund me? This is when I was an administrator in the school district. Can you help fund me getting to the Grace Hopper celebration? I didn't even know what it was. And when they explained to me what it was, I thought, why are you interested in that? And they, in such glowing terms, it was obvious the impact of just the physicality of being amongst that many women, of not being the ones that were the experts because the women, all these women were experts, not having to line up to the bathroom because the women were lining. I mean, all those things mm-hmm. that they so took for granted allowed them to come back to their classrooms and become world-class computer science teachers of both boys and girls. Yeah. And so when you start to think about, you could have impact on an administrator. You know, people talk about, oh, let's get the little kids to code. Well, they can't code if the administrator doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so we have the ability, whether we're technologists or not, to make changes to the ecosystem that make the throughput of those with the ideas who do want to do the tech that much easier. That was part of the spark for me once I left technology and went to education. That's what I wanted to do. Like I could have a bigger impact if I could impact these, you know, 400,000 kids Mm -hmm. than my code alone. Right. And so that's back to your point about what about me coming and I'm not technical. First of all, Arlen, you've done such an amazing, had such an amazing impact on the tech ecosystem with all the companies that you funded, all the people that you set an example for. I mean, I just get chills when I think about your story and all that you've been able to do. So you know better than anybody Thank you. that it's not just about the people with their fingers on the keyboard. Right. The people that you've blessed could not have done what they've done, and they would not have had the impact they have, except that you did your part. Mm. And so we need to understand there's a part in this for everybody. Yes. And yes. that, to me, is, at the end of the day, that's where I am in my life. Yeah. I want to increase people's understanding that they can, they can actually help us fix all these problems that we've talked about, AI and all those things, right where they sit. And that's incredibly exciting, you know, if I'm, if yeah. I'm listening to this and I am, <laughs> if I'm in the audience listening to this, it's very exciting. And, and Mitra, what do you think about the individual and how they can apply what we've talked about to their own uh, growth trajectory? I think it's important for everyone to become better versions of ourselves. 
And the way that we do that is through lifelong learning. To me, that's the superpower that we can all have is to always learn new skills, um, listen to new ideas, um, hear people that have something to say to us, and then share that knowledge. Because you can learn a lot by, by sharing, and you can learn a lot by listening, and you can learn a lot by just being purposeful about the act of learning. And that is my best advice to anybody at any age, at any place in their life or career to make learning a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Brenda, can I just uh, add one thing yes. to that? Let's see people first. You know, people talk about the tech and they get all excited about the bits and the bytes and all of that stuff. And I know how to do that. And I'm a nerd too. But when we forget that it's about serving people, that's when we get into trouble. Mm-hmm. That's when the tech doesn't work. And not even worse than that, that's when it's harmful to people. Mm-hmm. So let's be people first. Let's think about the people first. And th- the tech's going to take off. The ideas are going to come. Uh, the collaborations are going to happen. Because if you get that spark about what if, somehow you're going to find other people who think like you and together that's when the solutions happen. And that's what's exciting about getting that many women together. Because let's face it, minoritized people from the resilience have great ideas mm-hmm. uh, to solve the problems that they've already been experiencing in their lives. And, and that's about, I think, being a person first. Let's close out with just a couple of logistics issue, you know, topics. Um, I know that every single person listening, especially this far, is ready. They're either on their way to the in-person because they got their ticket already, or they've already hit up the website and they're headed there. So let's talk about what is the website that somebody goes to to get the, get a ticket? Start there. Mm-hmm. GHC, which stands for Grace Hopper Celebration, dot Anita B dot org. Let's talk about now. We've been talking about this. I've said how excited I am to be there, but I'm I'm speaking there this year, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I am speaking there this year. What are the dates of the event? The dates of the event are September 20 through 23rd of this year. Yes, and we won't say what day I'm speaking because we want you to go to the whole thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't yes. don't just come for Ireland. I mean, come for Ireland. Yeah, no. Don't just stay. For stay for the fifteen thousand plus in person <laughs> or the you know indoor. Yeah, and and I'm going to be there as as for as much of it as humanly possible. Yeah. I, you won't be able to get rid of me. I'm going to be camped out, <laughs> hanging out. Um, mama too. Oh, you know it. You know she already has a hotel room. She has her. She travels with seventeen pairs of glasses because she is so known for her glasses now. So I can't. I can't tell her nothing. Okay, we're on our way. Um, and then, and then, anything else you can say about the event itself, um, like maybe a couple of other speakers or anything that we should close out by letting people mm-hmm. know that they're going to miss out on if they don't act right now. Well, I want to say that, first of all, it's huge. And so, you know, bring your walking shoes, be comfortable because you're going to put lots and lots of miles on your body. Um, And yes, we have, in addition to Arlen, we have Frances Haugen, who was the whistleblower from Facebook, is going Mm -hmm. to speak. We have Ruha Benjamin, who is a Princeton University professor of African-American studies, 
who is bringing um, Brianna's Garden, which is something you have to see. It's a, it's a VR experience around Brianna Taylor's family and her life and everything. I can't wait for you to see that. And of course, Mitra is going to speak and we're excited to hear from Mitra. Um, Tracy Chow, um, Reshma Sajani, uh, founder of of Girls Who Code will be there and many others. So it's going to be a good time. We've had breakout sessions. We we have a surprise guest that I'm not going to tell you about right now Uh that's going to entertain us. And it's it's just going to be a good time. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see everybody back there. Incredible. And if there's anybody listening who's from, who already has their ticket and they're hearing me for the first time, I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to speak in front of you and and have the conversation. And I'm going to bring some books along because I know that's going to be a good time. Um, And I'm just, I'm just thrilled and excited and I can't wait for it to to be here. It's like I said, it's like Christmas Eve or Xmas Eve for me. It is. And, I, and if you haven't, if you haven't read our book, I, here's what I recommend. You get the book, the physical book, but you also get the audible because you get to hear Arlen read it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The audio is ver- version is available on audible Google, but it's also available at, at uh, a lot of libraries as an audio version. So awesome. pick that up. It's available physical awesome. in libraries too. I, I don't care how you get it. You know, um, I just want you to, to have that information in front of you. I have really enjoyed my time talking with you all. I appreciate your time, your insights. I can't wait to hear more. Um, this is just a, a sampling of what you're going to hear at Grace Hopper this year and in the years to come. And I, I appreciate you all. If you want to say anything about how to how to follow you on social, that's how we'll, we'll wrap this up. Sure, I'll start and then Mitra, please share. I am Brenda Darden W on everything. So Twitter, wherever you can find me. So uh, that's how you'll find me. Spell that. Mitra? It's Brenda, B-R-E-N-D-A, Darden, D-A-R-D-E-N-W for Wilkerson. Great. Mitra? And you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm um, Mitra Best. And look forward to having a dialogue virtually and then meeting everybody in person in Orlando. Great. And please spell both your spell your name, Mitra, so people can find you. M-I-T-R-A-B-E-S-T. Wonderful. It's great talking to both y'all. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been great being here. Hey, it's Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. Your First Million is produced by Anna Eichenauer, executive producer Arlen Hamilton. Associate producer, Chacho Valadez. Theme song is used by permission by the artist, Tobey Nguigwe.